Welcome to Summer Bays, the unofficial home and away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavner, where I take a weekly look at the trials and those big old tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters find themselves in, like, is adultery really the best way to get information on a murder case? Or, after giving your girlfriend a hundred reasons why they should move back in, is telling her you don't want her to move in as she unpacks really the best thing for your relationship. Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Now, before I get started, I just want to share a top tip to really enhance your home and away viewing, and that is no spoilers. Just don't look at what's coming up next on home and away. Try not to read the episode descriptions. I'm telling you, it's total game changer. Just try for one week and see. Oh, okay, fair play, Tori. Your master plan of guilting your brother Justin into getting his surgery by involving his young daughter Ava has succeeded. There was kind of a lot of back and forth this week about Willie won't he get the surgery and Willie won't he tell Ava and all this bottling it. And it was such a build up and then they didn't actually really show you him breaking the news to Ava. Like it didn't, it wasn't like sit, we kind of interrupted them mid-conversation. That kind of annoyed me. But I just love how after all the back and forth, Justin is like, okay, yeah, no, I want to do the surgery. And then they have difficulty finding a surgeon. And then all of a sudden, Justin is really impatient. Like, what's that about? Like, oh, I can't wait two months. Oh, no. And then it's like, oh, it's tomorrow. And it's like, oh, that's too soon. It's like, Justin, pick a side. Anyway, it was all paving up, leading into the moment of Dr. Christian Green. And hello, Mr. Sexy McDreamy. Hello, Dr. McSteamy. He's got a gravelly voice. He's really channeling this kind of hot older doctor. It's working for me, I must say. And (laughs) despite... Despite his fashion, like in the opening scene where <laughs> we meet him and stories slapping him with files. Sorry, would that ever actually happen? Like she wouldn't slap Jasmine with those files. <laughs> anyway, um, the fashion he was wearing is amazing. So he's wearing a blazer atop a grey cardigan atop a button down T-shirt. Why the layers? Why? Why the layers? Very strange fashion choices, I must say. <laughs> he just must be boiling. It must take him ages to get dressed. Who can fit a cardigan underneath a blazer? So anyway, Dr. Christian Green seems to be a bloody Justin Whisperer, where oh, it was just so kind of awkward when Tori keeps interrupting him, being like, we've been through this, we've, no, 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 we've been briefed on the surgery, da, da, da. And Dr. Christian is like, able to make this mechanic analogy. And it was like, you know, when I get into the engine, like, I want to know if it's worth fixing the car. It's like, oh, and then Justin's like, this makes perfect sense. I also don't believe Christian Green when he's saying, oh, I've never lost a patient. As if. Maybe not specific surgery, but that's, I don't believe you. You're in your 40s. How have you never lost a patient? But anyway, that's near theory here now there. It's gotten Justin to do the surgery, so who the hell cares? Um, he has a lovely slash really cheesy family fun day with Leah and Ava and it was kind of sad when he was like oh I want her to remember me as fit and strong but like all the video was anyway it was a lovely 
way to say goodbye to Ava and their their goodbye was really sad when he was hugging her. So at least the story is moving forward and there's way less back and forth. And I'm really interested to see this relationship with Tori. Like, it's just so awkward. I'm really into it. There was a bit of a slow start to the week. We had a lot of like calm storylines before we get into the meteor second half of the week. But we do join Rue and Evan on the part two of their date. And they're continuing to bond over Evan. And I just wonder, Owen seems really genuine, but is he doing it? Is he getting close with Rue to feel that bit closer to Evan? Like when he says stuff like, oh... Evan trusted you and it feels like and it feels good to know that you were watching over him. I just wonder because their relationship, as we see during the week, is the foundations are quite spiky or they're not very solid. But Owen has made his intentions quite clear by asking her out on lots of dates and everybody else is kind of getting used to this budding romance that's happening. But I just I'm so happy that Rue has freaked out. Look, well, she did look gorgeous in her green dress and he had planned a lovely date. I'm glad she bolted because it's just such a ridiculous situation that now everyone's just suddenly okay with. So like she says six weeks ago I was holding Evan's hand when he died and now I'm dating his identical twin brother and it's only been six weeks. So I, I'm glad somebody is freaking out here and I'm glad we're getting some kind of a like, okay, can we just pump the brakes here? It's just getting a bit intense. So, like, even when Ryder's like, my uncle's dating my aunt. Like, it is it is weird. And so I'm glad that's happening. And maybe the Reefton Lakes Italian was too serious. So I'm glad then that Owen tried the other route of a walk. And then she was able to clear the air. Because that was just a bit, yeah, just a bit difficult. And another townsperson I want to talk about is John. God, he's so lonely and like he can't help but annoy everyone and he's allowed to be really apprehensive about his first meeting since the stroke but he also doesn't really have much else going on and no Marilyn to keep him busy or bring any more strays into their home or anything like that and just a little obsession I found was really cute and I thought like Alf was just being like his usual annoyed self and like being like no we're not going to go to Salt and like I do have a life. I just kind of thought that Alf and Irene might have copped on that he was lonely a bit sooner. So when they send him off to visit Jet, I think that's a great idea. And he just needed some family time because he doesn't really have much family left there now. So I really did enjoy that. But like you do know John is in like desperation mode when he's asking Jasmine, Willow, Ziggy and Dean to come to a committee meeting. Like he hates Dean Thompson. Like what is going on? But he is really, John is so cute with Jai. And I felt like Amber was like, oh, we're trying to find Dean so we can have dinner and he can show him his drawing. And then John's like, well, if you can't find Dean, I'll meet you. And she's like, oh, no, sorry, we should go. It's like, but you have the time to see Dean. Why can't you hang out with John? You just want to talk to your kid. Oh, anyway. And speaking of Jasmine, we get real sense of her back feeling a bit more secure and centred and back to her own self. I really enjoyed that running scene where it was like, Pano drone shots going on and the music built in. I thought that was very um, 
artsy or something. And yeah, it seems like day by day she's getting stronger um, after visiting Robbo's grave. And she even goes out on a night out with Amber and Willow. Just obsessed. <laughs> Amazing. And then we have the love triangle that is just not going anywhere between Ari and Tane. And look, I'm not complaining because the more topless rugby scenes we can have, the better. <laughs> but like this storyline isn't really going anywhere. And I don't understand why they're creating all this closeness between Tane and Mac. Like if she doesn't have any feelings for Tane. Because when Snowy and the boys come in and they create quite the ruckus in Salt and then we have the the inevitable stabbing of Tane and Mac is saying stuff like I need to know that you're okay and stuff like that it's just a bit mm, I don't know it's getting a bit and like she knows that Tane is having a hard time with her moving in so it's like I don't know it's like you can't be best friends with someone when you know that they really like you so when they get stuck in that lift and she has her freak out and on top of the fact of finding out that like Tane knew the guys who stabbed him and stuff. So panic attack ensues and like she did a good, the, the, the eye rolling and stuff. She was very intense that acting. Like she really got into the, the stress of it all. And I can understand, look, the, I'm sure even the smell of hospital would make you, would bring you back to the time of the siege. So she's damn right to have some kind of PTSD from that. But it's just funny how much he comforted her. They were really cuddled up and like she was crying a lot. And there's just a tenderness there that Matt can bring out of Tane that we don't see at all. Like he doesn't even, he isn't even like that with Nick. And he's able to be open and honest with her and like tells her that they want me for, Snowy wants me for another job and no one will believe me. So, I don't know, they're definitely keeping this one alight and I don't know why and the only reason, like last week we were getting like flashes to them, him fantasising about kissing her, now they're like cuddled up and in a lift and I don't know, it's just blurring some appropriate lines I suppose and like when she's living with him she's flouncing around in this nighty like silk nighty and drinking wine and and I thought she was like on her way to bed. Now she sits down for dinner. Like you're living in a house with three boys. Do not wear, you know, at least one of them is in love with you. Definitely two. And like don't wear such seductive clothing. Poor Tane is probably like, oh damn it, I like, like you even more now. You look so good. <sighs> Please. boring first half of the week but it really got cranked up when we have Angelo making some kind of a crack in the case pumping Irene very immorally for info and I love how she gave out to him being like you interrogated me at least have the backbone to let me know that it happened you're underhanded and deceitful and having in front of Taylor so I'm glad he got called out now fair play to Irene it just kind of shows how relentless Angelo is to solve this case and he doesn't really care that he would kind of jeopardise trust amongst Irene. So I think so Angelo definitely thinks he's getting somewhere. He reefs Bella in for questioning and asking her like why did you take off? And while we bypass the oh I went to clear my mind with my boyfriend I just went on a holiday and he's like well why did people come to the rescue? And she's like I was in shock I don't want to talk about my dead dad. But this is the part that I just loved because this is where I think Bella truly saves the day. Um, So when 
Angelo says, like, I just can't understand, like, what was going through your dad's head? Was he angry, worried, or was he scared? What was going on? And she said, it's just so dark. Poor Bella's had such a tough life. Like, I never thought that my dad would hurt me. And turns out he wouldn't think twice if it was to mess with Colby. And my dad used me. He shot my friend and murdered my mom. What kind of person does that? And when you lay it out all like that, in fairness, what more could Angelo say? So I just think Bella played it out of the park. Pity we can't say the same for her brother. Okay, Colby storming in, being like, stop harassing her. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's it's just out of anger. It's not out of anything else. And Angelo is onto something, saying that, like, one of you is protecting the other one and I don't know who is protecting who. And... I just think there's like team efforts like Bella giving a good honest statement like that and then Willow making the anonymous call totally getting him off the scent and off everyone's backs and then Colby has the bloody nerve to go and continue this affair and not listen to anyone he's just being so stubborn on it it's driving me insane and oh yeah when Angelo leaves being like oh we got a lead notice him and Taylor never kiss Ever. And like when he leaves to go away for three days, it's just like, see you now, bye. He barely looks her in the eye. Poor Taylor, I really like her and she's so neglected. And she's so right to be like, what's the point of even being married? And when they finally sleep together to a cover of Blinding Lights by the Weekend, I'll have you know, she's like, oh, I don't actually even feel guilty. And when she rushes out of bed, I think she's leaves because she doesn't want to get proper feelings for Colby because he's the only one in her life who's actually listening to her and who's actually you know, paying her attention and giving her the love that she, like, needs and deserves. Now, I'm not justifying adultery, but you can see why she's found herself in this situation. Like, Angelo has been a terrible husband. Like, not giving her any moment of the day. But then, like, so poor Willow, it's kind of all on her shoulders and she's really trying to, like, almost annoy Colby into calling things off. And, like, she broke the law for him. And what was it all for? And Colby is just in this state of invincibility and it's just just he just cannot get it through his thick skull he's so focused on trying to to crack the case from the other side that he like he's really playing with all their lives if he goes down the three of them are going to go down with him so it's just I don't it's just really Colby's really changing as a person he's very impenetrable but it's just he's 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 playing a game with all their lives and it's just really not fair and and then when eventually Dean finds out, you just hope that he's talking, they're talking sense to him. But like, I really don't think it's working. Like, like in one moment, Colby's going, oh, I have the upper hand. And then he's going, oh, yeah, OK, fine, I'll just end it. And he's just getting them to shut up. That's all he's doing. Because he goes straight over to her for some more forbidden fruit. Willow and Dean have every right to feel like they're in a sinking ship now. And Colby's just trying to go down swinging punches. That's all it is. Colby is now just turned into the, this rebel without a cause and it's so wrong what he's doing. It is so wrong, but in his mind it's probably like, but it's just so right. <laughs> and he's definitely, he's going to fall for her. She's so nice. She's gorgeous. And like adultery is not the way to crack this case because you're not getting that much info out of her. You're just getting some saucy times. And now, because Dean has so much more to lose, everything's falling apart for Dean. So these are a hundred reasons for Ziggy to move back in. How cheesy of a move is that of Dean? Like, I never would have thought an ex-River boy would be being like, a hundred reasons why I love you. Like, ooh. Uh, but they are head over heels for each other, like so oblivious to everyone around them, including Jazz and Willow. I mean, I am glad Ziggy is coming round to the whole 
where do I fit into the Jai Amber's Dean family? Because who would have thought Jasmine would be dishing out some great advice saying like no one is stopping you from being involved except you. So dead right, because that's all that's going wrong. It's you just need to think of it like that. A new point of view, Ziggy. (laughs) I just knew in Friday's episode. I just knew something bad was happening. You always know there's a sad moment coming when Lewis Capaldi gets played in any TV show. So Dean and Amber are having it out because Dean has to cancel. And he's like, I said, I'm sorry. What more do you want? And Amber is kind of doing her good emotional manipulating, being like, oh, he wanted to show you this photo and he did really well in a sports comp. So they're left on jaggedy terms. And then we have Ziggy moving back in. And she's like, you're acting like you don't want me to move in anymore. And he says, I don't. Why is that, Dino? Why is that? Is it to do with Amber? Or is it to do with the fact that you will not be able to hide this murder case from your now roommate, Ziggy? But what a burn. Oi. So, like, imagine that happened to you. Poor Ziggy. Oh, God. Dean's amazing, incredible, 100-point pitch. Why would Ziggy have any doubt that she shouldn't move back in. And now Dean has hit her with such a low blow, right in the jugular. So I don't know what that means for the future of Dean and Ziggy. My word, we'll just have to see how it goes. But I don't think Dean can live this lie anymore. So who knows how it's going to work. Will he just stay broken up with her and not tell her his secret? Will he be open and honest? Or is it to do with Amber? I don't envy you, Dino. I do not envy you. Alrighty, well that about wraps it up for me this week. If you like what you hear, I would love if you could subscribe, rate and or review this podcast if you have a second, but zero pressure. If you want to get in touch, you can email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com and we can have fan chats there. And don't forget about the no spoilers. Just try it for a week and see. It'll totally change your life. G'day and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.